Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you, always. Random Makes Productions and The Credible Nerds present Reasons Why The Phantom Menace is a Great Star Wars Movie. Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin and I'll be your host today and I have my fellow Jedi with me, Harry. Hi guys. And we'd like to welcome you back to the show, Harry. It's been a while, but we love having you on the show, especially to talk Star Wars. So we're glad to have you here today. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. Yeah. So we've been talking over the last couple episodes, probably four or five episodes on this series which is arguments as to why Star Wars The Phantom Menace is a great Star Wars movie, or also known as reasons why The Phantom Menace doesn't suck. But uh, we've talked about the last few episodes. We've talked about R2 and C-3PO, the droid army, Darth Sidious, uh, the Force, and just all kinds of different aspects of this film and why we like it and why we think sometimes it gets a bad rap when actually there's a lot of great things, great plot points, great characters in this movie. So I wanted to dedicate a series of episodes directly towards this movie. And then also towards the other two prequels, episode two and three. And then at that point I was thinking, well, we'll just do all the Star Wars movies. We'll go from episodes one through nine and just talk about why we like them. So this first series um, is obviously about Phantom Menace. So let's get into it with, the pod race. I remember seeing this part in the sequence in, in theaters and it was just blown away by this in back in 1999 and even subsequent viewings, whether it's at home or when uh, the Phantom Menace in 3d came out a few years ago, I went and saw it in theaters again and it's even better in 3d. Let me tell you that. But overall this sequence, it was pretty exciting. And one of the high points of the film, I would say this part and then the, the final battle are the, the two most action-packed parts of this film and are fun to watch. Um, so for you, Harry, do you remember seeing the pod race? What were your first impressions of, of this pod race and seeing it for you know the first time or seeing it in Star Wars, actually? I have distinct memories of seeing it in the trailers for the, you know, the first time and seeing the bits and pieces of it and thinking, holy smokes, this is going to be amazing. That is one of the coolest sequences I've ever seen. And I can't wait to see it on the big screen. And then seeing it on the big screen, I was totally blown away. It was just, it was Star Wars, but not like a big giant battle, um, anything like that. But it was just like, it was so cool. And it had all the, the elements that we love about the Star Wars movies. Um, these cool spaceships and the different alien species and even the sand people taking pot shots as the racers went blazing by. And it was just, it was memorable. It was cool, and I really wanted to have a pod to race. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was it was something we hadn't really seen before in Star Wars, especially. Um, 
And I think if we haven't seen it in the Star Wars before, we probably haven't seen it in any movie before because Star Wars always pushes the boundaries for visual effects and, you know, things like this. Um, but I was amazed too. Um, I didn't know I needed to see this until I saw it in theaters. Well, like you said, I saw it in the trailers, like the first trailer that came out online. And then I think Entertainment Tonight or Weekly or one of those shows had it, premiered it. And I remember sitting down and watching that. I was just like, I got chills watching this, you know, the, the pod racing and Darth Maul and everything we saw in that trailer. And this was definitely a high point in the trailer. And I think the different aspects, like the visuals that we see, you know, they're basically these big spaceship engines or these cruiser engines. I don't know where they get them from there. They just build them themselves like Anakin did, but very high powered, very fast. And then they're tethered together with that, that plasma bolt holding them together. And then um, they're, you know, sitting in this cart being dragged by these super fast engines. Just that whole design of the, the actual pod racer is just, it's interesting. Like, you see that, you're like, whoa, what is that? You know, how does that work? And you just want to know all about it because it's so cool. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about the whole race was the spectacle of it. Is it, it's this little, uh, this scene in the Star Wars universe. This is something, you know, all these people know about. People have heard about it. Some people have seen it. But when it happens, there's this great big gathering. It's, you know, it's the Super Bowl of Tatooine. And it was just, it was such a spectacle. Yeah. The, the parade before the race and the thousands of fans in the, uh, this, the stands and the betting and the craziness of it. And it was like, this is you know, just a part of the Star Wars universe that we've never seen before, but look how cool it is. Yeah. And it just fits, right? We've never even heard of it till this movie. We've been exposed to Star Wars for, you know, from 77 till 99. So that's 22 years. But so we, this is a brand new concept, but when watching it, it just fit right in. It was seamless. It wasn't like out of place or anything. It just was part of the world that we, you know, we never looked around that corner before. And when we did, oh yeah, that, the pod racing. Yeah, that's cool. You know, just fit. Right. And it's easy to see why we didn't see it before because Uncle Owen's not going to let Luke go waste money or time at a pod race. And he'll uh, go to Tossie Station to pick up power converters. Exactly. Much less kind of waste of time going over there. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very cool. So there's the visual design of the actual pod racer and then the spectacle of it, like you said, and then just the sound design of these pod racers. Each one had its own individual, unique sound uh, design. And you could hear the, the engines. You could hear like the motion as it moved through the air, you could hear the, the plasma, I don't know what it's called, the plasma bolts or the... Uh, they, the I think they call them energy binders. Okay, yeah, those had its own sound. It's just everything was, you could just pick it out and it just all came together and it was amazing. So it was pretty yeah, cool. The, there was so much life to those, those uh, pod racers. Like you said, all those sounds, um, Sebulba's pod blasting by that like pulse jet sounds. Yeah. It's unmistakable. A deep uh, bass. Yeah. Um, like uh, amazing visuals, but the sound design just drew you right into it. And you just felt like you were racing. Yeah. I mean, I still watch it now, probably once a year, maybe twice. And it still gives me chills just watching this. 
It's, it's so cool. Oh yeah. Uh, so the actual mechanics of the race. Oh yeah, Jabba the Hutt shows up. You know, when Jabba shows up, you know it's a big deal. He's right. there with, with his minions. So, but uh, the actual design, they got to line up. They say go, you know, on the third thing, they all take off and they got to make three complete laps for to win. And one thing I wasn't expecting, and it is kind of a trope, but I was still wasn't expecting it, was the race starts and Anakin's pod just doesn't go. <laughs> so you're like, oh crap, <laughs> you're not going to win this. He's already behind. So I thought that was kind of fun. So they get going. Anakin was able to start up his pod and takes off. And it's so fast that he ends up catching up to the rest of them. We got the, all the, the crazy stuff that happens. You know, so Bulba's crashing other racers and throwing stuff at him to make him wreck. And he's just playing dirty the whole time. And everyone Breaking else is, things before the race started. Yeah. Yeah, he messed up Anakin's pod. And, you know, he's just playing dirty the whole time. And doing what he can to win. He always wins, right? That's the, the phrase that Watto utters. So, and the third lap, I think in the theater, the second lap either got cut or trimmed down a lot. And so we didn't see much of it, if anything. And then when the DVD Blu-ray release came out, that's when they, they edited it and added that most of that second lap. So it was even longer and even that more intense. I don't know why they had to feel like they edited it out for the, the theater. Cause I thought it adding that third, you know, that second lap to make the three laps. I thought that was just as entertaining as just two laps. So. Oh, for sure. I agree. So obviously it comes down to Sobulba and Anakin, that last uh, lap and they're just going back and forth. Sobulba's trying to crash him and Anakin's getting out of it. And he pulls ahead. Finally, you think he's going to win. And then, like you said, that piece that Soboba broke, you know, finally breaks off completely and Anakin's going to lose. He starts to, he has to try and fix it real fast and he does. Then he ends up pulling ahead and there's that classic, you know, the, the engines get locked together. No one can pull ahead. They're, you know, they're stuck together and they're going to crash and they're both going to die. But last second, the hero pulls away and is able to finish the race while the villain crashes and, he loses. So a lot of drama. I think, you know, you have those tropes, those things we've seen in other movies, you know, with the hero not getting a, a quick start and then the villain and the hero lock up at the end. You know, we've seen those things in other movies. We've seen those aspects and theme, those uh, parts in other movies. But I think you didn't even, you weren't like, oh, I saw that in Ben-Hur or I saw that in this. You were just engrossed and enthralled and it was part of the, the spectacle. Absolutely. Like the tropes were there for sure, but I got so lost in the race and, and so into just all of the details in it. Uh, you know, it wasn't a flat course. Yeah. They were going through canyons and caves and across the desert and dodging around spires and the sand people were out there doing their thing. And, yeah. There's an access road and maybe you can go on accidentally and fly and um, just everything. Like every time they go screaming around a bend, it's just like, you know, I'm leaning to my chair and it's like just lost in the whole race yeah. and didn't even care about that other stuff because it was just, it was cool. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we do see beggars Canyon in this. We heard about that in um, episode four 
right luke saying it's just like beggars canyon back home back home and we see it there for a minute you know it's part of the, the course it's this you know tight trench that they got to navigate through like luke is able right. to do so we had a couple of those callbacks which was was awesome yeah so anakin wins and because of that he's able to win his freedom uh that was uh, the bet that qui-gon and Watto had before the race and uh anakin ends up pulling it out and they win so this is not only is this a key event in basically the the rest of the galaxy's history right just you've seen those memes where they're like there's three scenes and where for example the one in episode three with um anakin and palpatine and mace and palpatine's trying to trick anakin he's like oh i'm too weak don't let him kill me and anakin's like he's weak well, i guess all the sith are weak i won't become one and he kills palpatine and then the last scene is you know written and directed by george lucas so it's kind of like right. yeah. how star wars could have ended right if it taken a different path and if you think about it if anakin would have lost this race it's over you know <laughs> right there's no, there's no saga right so not only is it a, a pivotal moment in the, the story but it's a really cool moment as well so yeah i mean no one talks about phantom menace without talking about the pod race yeah and if there's some things you don't like about phantom menace that's cool but you can't say oh the phantom menace sucks because of the pod race i just didn't buy it <laughs> you know whatever you can't argue against the pod race it's just awesome Definitely. So let us know what you think about the pod race. Is it, do you like it? Is it enjoyable? You know, 99 to 2000, this is for recording us in 2020. You know, 21 years later, is it, does it hold up? Is it still exciting? You know, that many years, decades later? Let us know. Follow us on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram and join us on the, in the comments and let us know what you think about the pod race. We want to thank you guys for joining us here on this episode. Next up, we'll be talking about another pivotal moment in the Star Wars saga, especially in episode one, is Anakin and his mother say goodbye to each other. Pretty emotional, strong moment there, and we'll be diving into that and talking about it a little bit more in detail. So join us for the next episode of Anakin and his mother say goodbye. I tried to read a Star Wars. I have read a couple Star Wars books, and they're the new books, man. They're just boring. I can't. <laughs> I can't get through them. I barely. Those are the ones I was referring to earlier. It's like they're just. Right. You want to finish them and get done with them, but they're boring. Um, that's what turned me off to Star Wars a long time ago. When I was in the army, a guy had. Uh, I don't know if you ever read the Black Fleet Crisis trilogy. Yeah. And it was so awful that I didn't pick up another Star Wars book for like 20 years. Yeah. I slogged through the whole trilogy because I was like, well, I started it. I got to finish it. Yeah. But um, then for 20 years, I didn't pick them up. Um, and I've been slowly reading through some of the Rogue Squadron books. I've heard those are good. Um, the first three that I've read, I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, I picked up a bunch on thrift books, used, cheap. 
Yeah. Um, so I've got those and they're in my pile for this, you know, this winter, once the boats come out of the water and I got nothing to do for 10 hours a night. Yeah. When the prequels were coming out, when those were in theaters, I was reading, there's a bunch of Clone Wars novels that came out and most of those were good. There's a couple okay. that were pretty lame, but for the most part, they were pretty good. I enjoyed those ones. And then all the novels around episode three, like leading up to episode three and then right after episode three, those were pretty good. Okay. And episode three, that movie, that novelization of the movie, it's probably the best Star Wars book, hands down. It's so really? Because most of the other ones, you're just kind of basically reading the script, <laughs> like a fleshed oh. out version of the script. You know, there's nothing different. Maybe there's right. a couple of things here and there, but it's the same thing. Uh, but episode three, there's a lot of, uh, for some reason, the author had a lot of leeway to, there were some deleted scenes that he fleshed out. And then there's other things that aren't in the movie at all. And he added it, added to it and just made it. Yeah. It's really good. I'll have to pick it up. Yeah, that's definitely worth reading. But yeah, the new ones, ever since Disney bought them out, man, it's <laughs> bad. My daughter has read the, is, or is reading the Thrawn, the newest like Thrawn trilogy. Okay. Um, and she read um, Queen's Gambits. And okay. Queen, the, like two, there's two books on, on Padme, I guess. Yeah. And she really enjoyed them. Okay. Uh, but, you know, she's a 16 year old girl too. So. Yeah. I read the first two of the Thrawn trilogy. I have the third. I haven't read it. And the stories weren't bad. Uh, I just I got, read the original, you know, Eric. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those ones are better. But in the new ones, I read the first two and I kind of just got tired of the character of Thrawn. Like he's, you know, he just knows everything. You know, right. there's no, like, he's, he's planning stuff and he's like, yeah, when Vader does this, I'll do that. And then Vader's like, it shows Vader's perspective. It's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him and I'm going to show him. And then at the end, Vader thinks he has the upper hand and then Thrawn's like, yeah, I knew you were going to do that. So, you know, he just somehow knew everything. He was the smartest guy in the room all the time. And it's just right. got, it's got boring. Cause he was, there's no action with him. It's just, he knows he's so smart. He's so one-dimensional. I, I yeah. just don't like him. Yeah. Um, so I got tired of that. That's why I haven't started the third one since I got boy. <laughs> I think he's a, he's a jerk. <laughs> and I don't find him believable. Right. So. I have that same discussion with my daughter uh, about weekly. She'll say something like, she'll tell me a part out of the book and like, Thrawn's so awesome. I'm like, no, Thrawn's an idiot. He's a jerk. He's a dork. The character's so unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read the two Padme books. I have the first one on digital because it was like super cheap, like a couple bucks. Okay. So I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. And then there was one Master and Apprentice with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Pretty before, sure she's read that too. Before Phantom Menace. And I was really stoked to read that one. And there were parts that were good, but there are some parts that just fell flat. So it was, it was all right. It was good to read Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon is what it was. You know, yeah, yeah. Like their adventures and stuff. Um, and then there's a Dooku book. Um, Dooku, no Jedi Lost, or I think that's what it's called. Okay. It's about Dooku leaving the Order. 
one of her friends has a ton of the books. So she's been like borrowing them from her friend and reading them and then telling me I need to buy them for her because in case she ever wants to read them again. And yeah, um, nice. That's cool though. I do think in reading them, now that I think about it, what you're saying, I think the younger generation will like those because they're simpler. I think that's what it is. There's not a lot of intricacy to the plot and the story. It's pretty basic. So, and I think that's what it is. I'm used to, you know, more involved books. Yeah. The short attention span for the kids. Yeah. So I think most of them are geared towards the teenagers and the 20 year olds. <laughs>